right here every day. Wood is roundup. Come on, it's time to play. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this free preview for this month's episode of What a Cartoon Movie, all about Toy Story 2. I'm one of your hosts for this one, one of the members of the Roundup Gang, Bob Mackey, who is here with me today, as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and for this podcast, you can hear the full thing for a buck, 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 plus seven more bucks. Plus seven more bucks. I'm <laughs> glad you didn't do ten bucks on this podcast, no. but uh, you voted for it in our very rigged poll about Pixar sequels, and we're giving it to you now. <laughs> it is a super, super long episode all about oh, Toy Story goodness. 2. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time we... Uh, to keep the bit rate at the level of quality while also hitting the restrictions on Patreon for how big a file can be, this is the first two-part podcast yes. we have posted. We're posting it on two parts. Or sorry, we did post it on two parts of the Patreon. Unlike Solomon, we cut that baby in half. Yes, it went right straight to it. Didn't uh, know if ands or buts. But yeah, we had so much fun talking about the first Pixar sequel like it really holds up and there's uh man so many great this and the stories wow this uh, Bob found some amazing stuff the behind the scenes stuff almost as interesting as the movie itself and you're going to hear some of that in this free extended preview of that episode that two-part what a cartoon movie episode so if you want to hear the full thing please go to patreon.com slash talking simpsons and sign up at the ten dollar level and you'll have access to that episode and the previous i don't know 15 maybe 16 we've done so far we're verging on i think 72 hours of just what a cartoon movies alone and everyone is like between three to four hours so you'll unlock this one uh you'll hear the preview of right now and also the rest we've done since uh november of 2018 one a month since then yeah I mean, if you want to learn the history and background of Pixar up to the creation of Toy Story 1, you definitely want to hear our Toy Story 1 podcast, which you'll also get if you go to the $10 level. And same for our huge back catalog i asked you you'd want to hear the one for uh another disney classic aladdin mm-hmm. I'd, I'd suggest that one and also future fellow pixar director brad bird his iron giant film that was another really fun one we did and and next month we're gonna have a really cool one too of something on that's on hbo max Ooh. it hasn't been decided yet but i'll tease it for Where's you now hbo max money we're promoting that thing left and right <laughs> i mean hey feel free to <laughs> not use hbo max and watch it in some other way yes. you don't have to get HBO packs. But again, you'll get that and all of our What a Cartoon movies if you sign up for 10 bucks a month at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And if you sign up at that level, you also get all of our $5 rewards, which is oh, like yes. over 100 bonus podcasts, all of our limited miniseries. You'll also get all of our new episodes one week at a time and ad free. Far too much to list in this simple promo up front. But yes, you get a lot for your money for 10 bucks a month, all those What a Cartoon movies and all the things we've been doing on the Patreon for the past three years immediately Ooh. available to you. That is almost too much but who knows at this time, you probably need too much uh, podcast <laughs> to listen to, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's time to go back through the archives again. If you haven't heard them all before, or if you even have, I think it's time to to give a listen to, again, 72 hours of movie chattery. Mm-hmm. Again, that is patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And we'll let you get to our extended preview of this month's episode of What a Cartoon Movie, all about Toy Story 2. So 
So let's get into the history of Toy Story 2. So I don't need to tell you this, but I will. Toy Story 1, a massive hit, making back uh, about 10 times its $30 million budget, pulling in uh, $374 million at the box office. It's 1995, and CGI movies are officially a thing now. It's like, this is now a thing that we do, and the next one would be Ants. So uh, we got to yeah. wait uh, about two <laughs> years for Ants after Toy Story uh, 1 launches. And that was like done as fast as possible to beat the uh, Bugs Life to theaters. So yeah, like- Katzenberg stole his uh, briefcase full of ideas. Ideas. I wish the Quibi yeah. idea would have fallen out of that briefcase. <laughs> He's blaming all of us on Quibi's uh, failure now. Yeah, Katzenberg, he was there for all those Pixar meetings. He knew what the Pixar five-year plan was and took it with him. So that's uh, pretty evil of him. But I, I would expect nothing less from a master of evil like uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. So just one month after Toy Story 1, of course, uh, the masters of evil themselves, the Disney company, yes. want a sequel. The movie is huge. Remember our first podcast, they took a big game they're like let's just kill this movie but Mm -hmm. some people believed in it and they let it live and they gave pixar a really shitty contract in order to let it live and that's how the movie became a movie but it was a huge risk but now they were like we want to buy in on this toy story universe yeah i mean you again you have to remind yourselves in history that pixar and disney have been co-owned for more than a decade now or pixar has been owned by disney for more than a decade so when you say pixar I think, you know, in your mind, you might think, oh, yeah, Disney like but this they were a third party making Disney films and uh, they struck it rich. And now Disney is looking to continue that. But Disney still the bankroller in this situation. And so they're still more powerful than Pixar. And they're calling the shots until I think 2006 Pixar was an independent company and they were just operating with Disney as their distributor. Like Mm -hmm. they could have easily went to, I don't know, Universal or any other uh you know studio after that deal like after that contract expired yeah and i mean that's what disney was terrified of happening so uh they eventually gave steve jobs all of the stock they could making him (laughs) even more rich like he did take it with him he's the first guy (laughs) (laughs) they were an independent company but they still had like they they were under the jobs payroll too so they they were pretty safe so Joe Roth is the executive who replaced Jeffrey Katzenberg. I really know nothing about him. I don't know mm. if he's evil like Katzenberg or not, but uh, <laughs> he embraced the idea of a Toy Story sequel, but wanted to make it a direct-to-video sequel because Return to Jafar had been a massive hit for Disney. It was relatively cheap to make because it was TV budget animation, but they were selling it for like 20 bucks a pop to millions of kids. So huge. Uh, they collected a lot on that uh, VHS release, and they wanted Toy Story to be like the next big one. Yeah, the the direct-to-video market, like, we we talked a bit about it on the Tiny Toon Adventures one, too, because I think that really was the first, like, American OVA. All it was was, like, it was episodes of the show with, like, maybe 10% better animation than the best episodes. Then you just sell it like it's a movie. And then Disney, with the return of Jafar, they took it to the next level of, like, no, 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 this, this thing, which really is just the same as how Darkwing Duck or DuckTales had a five-parter or two-parter that was the movie that started the show. Return of Jafar was the same deal. It was just 
five, three episodes of Aladdin or four episodes of Aladdin, but released <laughs> as a movie and they get all the buzz of kids going like, oh, I'm buying the new movie of Aladdin. Oh, boy. They don't know better. Yeah. But yeah, well, it's we funny. Didn't, I loved it so much. Me too. And I kind of want to revisit it for this because I know it's probably not great. Although mm-hmm. I love that Aladdin TV series that you can't watch on Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> Where the hell is it? But yeah, so they want this Toy Story sequel. I guess they were thinking, uh, you know, until the early aughts, we'd just be the sequel DVD direct to VHS and DVD factory for a long time. Yeah. And uh, the, one of the few, I mean, John Lasseter sucks as a human being and i'm glad he's gone i'm i, I do not miss him at all as, <laughs> as fake mark said he's gone. uh but he did a few good things in his uh, career there one of them was uh, you know stomping out the crappy sequels that yeah. were being released to home video i mean it does if you just want to talk about it in business terms it was depreciating the brand like people yeah. just knew Oh, Bambi 3, great. It, it makes Bambi look worse because there's been 700 other Bambis. Like, the idea of a Hunchback sequel existing is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although it was animated by their Japan thing, so it probably looks gorgeous. Yeah, well, I I rewatched a little Return of Jafar recently, just flip, flipping through it, and it is the ups and downs of like, oh, here's a Warner Australia segment with some great lip sync. Now it's back to a crappy segment. Oh, a Disney Japan segment. And now it's back to bad again. Yeah, it's like uh, the shifting studios are doing in that movie, I think. Yeah, and it's very confusing, too. So at this point in the development of Toy Story 2, everything was up in the air. Uh, Of course, we talked about it in the first podcast, and I'll keep saying that. (laughs) But when they signed on Tim Allen and Tom Hanks, they were known quantities, but they were not megastars. Like, 1994 was the year for both of them, and then 1995 was Toy Story, because 1994 was like Forrest Gump for Tom Hanks. And then 1994 for uh, Tim Allen was like, he had like a number one book, TV show and movie in that year alone. And Home Improvement was a number one show. Once again, when we think of The Simpsons as a popular show, it was like number 40. Home Improvement was number one. With a bullet. Like it was so, yeah, uh, Tim Allen sucks, but you can't argue with how popular he was in 94. And I think, you know, Toy Story looked so amazing that I think it would have succeeded just on the looks and the story it told, but marketing it as starring Tom Hanks and Tim Allen definitely didn't hurt its box office potential either. So they also didn't know which directors would be assigned to it because two of the film's leads of the first film, rather they were doing a bug's life and what would become monsters Inc. So they were busy doing pre-production on those projects with Mm -hmm. toy story being a hit. They were already, you know saying we can do these movies now let's get to work on them. Yeah. And they didn't even know if Pixar could make it because remember in that crappy contract Pixar signed, it's like, Disney's like, we own your characters and we don't need you to make sequels of these movies. Like, yeah. we can fucking make this a 2D movie, eat shit, and that, die. Totally. They could so easily just dump it all like that. A really bad deal on Pixar's part, which uh, makes it all the sweeter that they were able to turn the tables on Disney uh, ultimately. Well, also, I've talked about it before, but I still love that trailer they did for Wally that was about just them talking up the lunch, the lunch oh, yeah. they had. Where One they day <laughs> in Point Richmond, California, four <laughs> men sat down and they had lunch. They existed in Richmond, California. 
And they would always hang out in Point Ranch in this like quaint little town that inspired a lot of things in their movies. And I really want to go there before I eventually move away from the Bay Area. Yeah, you know what? We re- Let's rent a car and <laughs> drive around there. Not safe to get on a train right now. <laughs> so there's a press release on March 12, 1997 saying, Toy Story 2 is coming direct to video. Not sure if there's a release date for that yet. And I will say up front about the history of the segment, the problem is that all the official behind-the-scenes media are lies. Oh. They are lying to you. The extras on that toy box set are also on the blu-ray set for toy story the toy story trilogy and uh, i thought once in, upon a time they were good extras they are all like the propaganda of we decided to make toy story 2 and then we made it that's the end <laughs> of the story they don't tell you the history of the troubled first production and what would become the second production of the movie that is not on those supplementary materials that eventually came out in histories and books and stuff but mm. the corporate line is these brave, smart men decided to make a movie, and then they made it, and that's the yeah. end of it. That DVD was made before Disney owned Pixar, so I wonder if they left out anything that would show that somebody other than Pixar was working on Toy Story just to make Pixar happy. Of Like, we do not recognize that anybody else made a Toy Story. Like... Now these days, I it, I know it's all internally at Pixar, but like there's different gradations on budget and 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 team size for Toy Story things. Like the Forky Ask a Question stuff, I don't think is made by the same you know <laughs> the same level of care as Toy Story. It feels 4. like training for people who will be future feature film directors. Yeah, those yeah. shorts and they are good. Like all the Pixar shorts are good. I I can't think of a bad one I've ever seen. But uh, yeah. But this information is not hard to find, but I didn't know it, and I didn't know a lot of the history of the direct-to-VHS version of this movie, and it's very different than the movie we would eventually get. And I tried to find as much about it as I could, but I think a lot of it has not been disclosed. Man, it's got to just be all under NDA then, and like, uh, you know, not only Disney wanting to keep it a secret, but also Pixar wanting to keep it a secret too like i would bet internally they probably didn't like that somebody else was making their sequel <laughs> they they probably that's probably the reason why they didn't revisit this franchise for 11 years once yeah. they were done with this movie <laughs> let's get into the history of this okay. uh, direct-to-video sequel though because it's fascinating and again these are not lies i'm going against the corporate propaganda that's on all of those blu-rays <laughs> where they don't even mention it so, well they don't watch it else. <laughs> alex i'm the alex jones of toy story truth but uh i will say i haven't listened to the commentary again and uh they could talk about it there but i don't think they do because that commentary is from uh like a 2007 release and then like the 99 dvd release or something like that i mean if if it was on that commentary i would think it would be one of those things that's like sourced in imdb trivia because that's the level of research most imdb trivia and stuff goes into so if it was mentioned there this would be more public knowledge i think a lot of it came out in this 2008 book called the pixar touch which i would have gotten out of the library if i could go to the library but i was able to scan a lot of it on google books and of course a lot of it is cited so i think in 2008 that was the first time a lot of this was put down uh. into print and then there's a 2012 article i'll talk about very soon that really discloses a lot of it so oh boy so is pixar going to make this direct-to-video toy story sequel the answer is no they're not they can't they are making a bug's life that is coming out in 1998 and it has to hit that release date because yeah. we're going to learn very soon and i think we've been over this on like a movie episode before 
It has to hit that release date you promised because all of the marketing, all of the Happy Meal toys, all of the merchandising is counting on you being in existence in theaters at that time. Like they're making things in China right now Mm -hmm. and they need to be able to ship, be shipped over here months in advance to be like assembled and sent to McDonald's and just be ready for that movie's launch. Video games, bed sheets, uh, boxes of cereal, like all these things are made. And I mean, the first there's a joke in this movie about how they messed up the, uh, the production of Buzz Lightyear toys in 1995. They have a joke about that. So, all right, they now in 99, they're like, we gotta have everything ready, and this can't be delayed. And sa- same with Bugs Life. So lucky for Disney, they had a little internal company called Interactive Products Group. And between the two Toy Story CD-ROM games they produced, these had roughly the same amount of computer animation as in the first Toy Story movie. Wow. Yes. I didn't know these CD-ROM games had all this original. I would assume they just have like postage stamp sized clips of the movie shoved in there. Uh, what they are is, I mean, I'm too old for this sort of a product. And I guess you would be too. Yeah. And maybe they're still on like iPads or whatever. But in the mid 90s for like multimedia media cd-rom things they were these interactive storybooks where you would buy the cd-rom version of like a disney movie and it would retell you the story and you could just like click on things around the screen and they would like move or dance around there'd be like mini games and this one it's all on youtube you can watch the entire like walkthrough in quotes of the toy story interactive storybook on youtube and it is just this company recreating these scenes it's all pre-rendered, yeah, but yeah. they're still making it. And it's pretty good for like the time they had and the product they were making. Oh, that's pretty cool. That uh, well, I've I have a like brother-in-law with a with a young kid, and I saw him on an iPad doing a similar thing with a uh, an iPad version of the Hungry Caterpillar. Okay, so yeah. They, I think they still make those. Though that description reminds me of from our childhoods, the book on tape that you then flip read yeah. along to. What a I wish I had those interactive storybooks. <laughs> uh, but maybe you did. When you were a kid, let us know. I want to know because these were these were like a huge thing for Disney. I remember like uh, there were like front page scandals that there was like a bug on the Lion King interactive storybook that was released that Christmas oh. that like people couldn't play it and children were crying worldwide. <laughs> oh my god! It was like front page scandals, and <laughs> it was hard to patch a game in 1994. I'll oh, tell yeah. you that. How are you gonna do that? <laughs> uh, okay, so this company they made these CD-ROM games. They made two of them, and these games contain just as much animation as the first movie. They only had one third of the staff. Of Pixar, though, but Steve Jobs shut the company down himself. I'm sure he had help. And these employees made up the core team that would then make the Toy Story 2 project. So these people are making this, you know, recreation of Toy Story 1 uh, okay. for a CD-ROM game. They were now the Toy Story 2 animation team. Man, I guess that I, that's good training for that. But okay, so they, they are hired on to Pixar as the junior team while the big boys are working on Bugs Life. Yes, and they're literally in a building across from Pixar separated by train tracks. Oh, So they're like in a separate little building that's just like right by Pixar. On the other side of the tracks. So uh, Lasseter oversaw this entire project. He called for constant tweaks to scenes. They thought it would be a lot easier than it ended up being because uh, they're like, oh, we have all these Toy Story assets. The problem was, problem in quotes, Technology was increasing at a fantastic rate in the late <laughs> 90s. So your assets for a 1995 movie are going to look much different than they would for a 1997 or 98 movie. So yeah. like shaders are improving. Models are improving. Lighting is improving. They can't use as much, you know, uh, recycled assets. They thought they'd be able to for this directed DVD project. Sorry, video. No DVDs yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those uh, those contemporary 
video games from the time with polygons like they tried to get away with that kind of thing too like ah, we already made the models for these characters it's fine but then if it was just seeing the unchanged Lara Croft sprite again and again like it did or uh, sorry character model it definitely you'd feel the age just a few years later on on the screen so the big problem with this history is it's not clear what this first movie was actually about so according to an article on the website the next web uh this is a quote from one of the technical directors of the movie uh the main characters of course buzz woody ham potato head rex andy's room stayed these are the things that stayed from this original version of the movie Mm. the owl's toy barn sequence stayed that's it nearly everything else you see in the film as it is is new so this entire first movie was thrown out we'll hear more about that very soon in this history but i found online uh, this supposed original script written in 1996 by uh, doug chamberlain and chris webb two people who would write for the final version of the movie again this is unverified and i don't know if this could possibly be true because it conflicts with both the uh written authentic history of toy story 2 and the corporate propaganda version of toy (laughs) story 2 but this was written in 1996 and i'll go over a few of the differences here so uh jesse was originally a cactus named senorita cactus and i believe this is real because there is official art of this on like wikis so Oh, wow, man. I never heard this cactus thing. It's uh, it's weird. So Woody yeah. ends up in the yard sale through happenstance, not by trying to save Wheezy. And there's a deleted scene of that on the Blu-ray. Like, oh, that's that's a, a key change because you need to see Woody being a hero. Like, he can't just be like, whoops, I fell in there. Like, no, yeah. no. And the deleted scene, like, Rex is playing Godzilla and knocks Woody out the window. It, yeah. They changed it for a reason. Okay. So Stinky Pete is just known as the Prospector and Bullseye talks. And also, Bullseye mm. is the only non-evil character of that new trio. <gasps> oh, no. Yes. Jesse or Senorita Cactus is, is evil? Yes, they don't have this history of trauma and, you know, neglect that informs their characters. So Senorita Cactus and Prospector, their characterizations are similar in that they're both pompous and they value how shiny and new they are thanks to never being played with. They mm-hmm. they like this quality about themselves mm-hmm. and they don't have the tragic backstory. So we know Jesse was abandoned. She was played with an abandoned and Pete is bitter because he was never actually purchased. He was yeah. always in the box. Yeah, that's uh, it's an incredibly key part to both of their characters as it's why we remember them both so well. And in this version of the movie that is supposedly real, totally unconfirmed, by the way, this could just be a hoax. This is like a cult like atmosphere where Senorita Cactus and Prospector are trying to brainwash Woody and poison his relationship with Buzz Mm. in order to, you know, get him to go to the museum with them. And they respect Woody because he's still got his hat and apparently like so many of the woody hats were lost because kids played with them and lost them. i lost every accessory i as a kid so that makes sense so just just a few more differences yeah. here uh for the supposedly real script so buzz is not replaced with the imposter buzz but instead meets a newer model of himself and this newer model is impressed by how quickly buzz dispatches zerg and he just pulls the battery out of zerg and by you know being praised by this newer buzz lightyear that gives him the confidence to keep rescuing woody in the timeline of the movie there should be newer models of Buzz Lightyear though maybe it is that Al's Toy Barn just bought a giant boatload of the old 
uh, year's model. Like if Buzz is like a hot toy of the 90s, then he should have like 8,000 different versions like Batman had. So Buzz has to rescue Woody. And in this rescue process, Woody loses his hat. And in the process of losing his hat, he is like in a life or death situation. And I guess we had in the first in the first movie the question, can these toys die? Because Woody goes like, we're going to die or I'm going to die. Like, these toys know about death, apparently. Oh, wow. Yes. So, I mean, well, as every movie continues, there are so many more questions that are raised but never answered about the, the sheer existence of these toys. And what a horror it must be. Yes. Yeah. Eventually, just uh, I hope there's no Toy Story 5 because it just gets crazier. Yes, so Woody loses his hats in this rescue process, and he almost dies. He's, like, hanging from a flagpole or something, and he's reaching out for Senorita and Prospector to save him. And they're like, we don't want to save you. You've went down in value. You lost your hat. So they are clear villains. And uh, the final difference is, for the supposedly real script, I'm sorry, the final scene takes place in Al's car and not the airport. The toys hijack this car after Woody plugs it with his hat, therefore ruining his hat. And there's a confrontation in the car with Senorita and Prospector where they are horrified that Woody destroyed his value by destroying his hat. Oh. Woody knocks him out of the car. They're picked up by children. The movie ends. That is the end of this version wow. of Toy Story, which might not be real. I like that at least the hat is sacrificed in the sense of sacrifice of losing his hat for yeah. his value. Though, then again, if you're the toy manufacturer, you'd be like, hey, my toys, now I'm selling kids the incomplete Woody. Like, he's got his hat in my toys. Oh, and the final scene I just remembered is uh, Andy comes home from cowboy camp or whatever. Yeah. And Woody is there like he is in the final movie. But he's, he's like, oh, why is his hat all weird? And it's, fi- it's fine. It's over. <laughs> I guess he winks at the and camera or something. I, Who knows? You know that, I mean, the cult-like atmosphere... That definitely sounds like the villains of three a bit more. So I could, you know, yeah. it could just be a similarity, but maybe they're like, oh, remember that uh, script from to the original one? Like maybe that cult atmosphere is a good is a good way to go with this one. You can see that they wanted if this is re- if this is true, you could see why they wanted to give these villains more of like uh, sympathy because mm-hmm. they both have uh, in the final version of the movie. Jesse is not a villain. Uh, Stinky Pete is, but they both have things that inform their character. In this movie, they seemingly don't. I think every Toy Story movie, they want to give you some background for the villain. Like In 4, they they do it to such an extent that they kind of do it early because they're like, look, you all know there's a tragic backstory, so let's get this at minute 20 <laughs> instead of minute like you'll, 60. You'll cry in the first act. Okay, <laughs> so here's how I'm going to blow everyone's mind out there. Okay. And this is knowledge that you can easily find. So there is a story that is just, you know, common knowledge. You can find it on the Blu-ray and DVD. Here's a little mini cartoon we made. It's like, we almost lost the movie. The movie almost got deleted. And then we saved it. It's a very cool story. Here's the thing that you don't know that it's out there. It's a fact. They almost lost the movie that they didn't make. The movie that got 90% deleted and then saved was the movie that they threw out. They eventually threw it out. The hell? So they saved all that and then it wasn't even the one they made. And it never mattered. It never mattered. Oh, boy. Well, I guess that's that is a worse story to tell if you're trying to impress people. We saved the garbage we eventually threw out. So if you're at a party and you bring up Toy Story 2, like, oh, somebody says, uh, yo, they almost lost that movie. Do you know the story? And you'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) You're wrong. I'm leaving. Make a big scene. Yeah, spit in their face like no, you don't, don't do that. Anything. Don't no. do that. But it's a common misconception because wow. of propaganda. If you watch that short on the DVD, it's like here's how we lost Toy Story two, or almost lost it rather. They don't mention the version they almost lost, which is the first version. And I had to like, I did a double take at this article because I was like, wait, what are you talking about? This is not the history of Toy Story. It yeah. is. 
The name of this article is, and I'm just going to like summarize it. It's from the next web. It's still online. It's from 2012. The name of the article is how Toy Story 2 was deleted twice, once by technology and once again for its own good. Wow. So yes, the version they saved, they eventually threw out. I feel really bad for that work from home mom who was animating it and saved the day. Like she went to all that trouble and then they just deleted anyway. Mail it to what I would have given a damn. (laughs) But yes, I can tell you the story, which is now not interesting because it's just like oh you saved garbage okay uh so at some point in 1998 they don't even know when they just this is lost to history so when working on the movie some of the technical directors were lucky enough to realize that files were disappearing super quickly from directories they were just noticing it if they didn't notice this the entire movie could have just been deleted uh-huh. So what happens was, or what happened was, instead of deleting a higher level directory in the file system, which is commonly done to get rid of files you're not using, which they would do all the time, uh, an incorrect command was inputted and it deleted the root directory of the Toy Story Ooh. 2 movie project. So the entire movie was being deleted from the base of the like file directory. Wow. So if that had happened while they like at night or something, it just would have it just would have all been gone. And the important thing to note is that uh, everyone had access to everything mm. because uh, of the project. You just had to have access to the master file at all times. And an important point is this, of this was we didn't have the time to micromanage access to files. Uh, we were trying yeah. to make a movie. I feel like it's it's moments like this that invented the uh, snake oil salesman of all of the micromanaging tools and bullshit in our lives. Ooh, file a ticket if you want to rotate Woody's head. Oh, God. Yeah. I. Uh, but I mean, also, this is, you know, 21 years ago, like even the highly sophisticated computers they were using for the time those can't compare now to like inputs and and ui they were using like linux code they were typing in like literally typing in linux code so they shut down all the servers everything was booted back up they realized 90 percent of the files were missing and unrecoverable and this happened before at pixar they lost files before so while working on a bug's life all the ants got deleted but they had backup (laughs) but their backup didn't work this time and i'll tell you why they weren't checking their backup, so they kept backing things up to a four gigabyte drive. The entire movie, <laughs> every file for the movie, uh, to a four gigabyte drive. As, as we're recording this on to like a two terabyte uh, hard drive, yeah. And here's the thing: the movie project files eventually got bigger than four gigabytes. So every time they backed up the movie, it was pushing older files off of the backup. <sighs> The funny thing is the entire project file for Toy Story 2, like all of the assets, not the pre-rendered thing it would spit out as the, you know, Toy Story 2.avi, all of the assets in Toy Story 2 are just 10 gigabytes. Just wow, yeah. that is amazing. Every like uh, model and render and texture map and you know camera move and animation info, ten gigabytes. Man, well, I mean, in nineteen ninety eight, ten gigabytes was a lot. Yeah, but... my hard drive, I think, was like two gigabytes in nineteen ninety nine. Boy, I was, I think, after nine eleven, that I got a one gigabyte hard Ooh. drive on a machine. <laughs> So they assume they only lost a week of progress, but then uh, noticed uh, bizarre technical errors on every shot. So ultimately, they lost 10% of their data, but they didn't know which 10%. 
like ten uh, percent data as a whole, but they didn't know where, and everything was like fucking up. Animations were not uh, linking up. Characters weren't moving the right way. There was something wrong with like every scene. Uh, that ten percent meaning not just ten percent of the scenes, but just a little bit from everything that breaks it all. Yeah, not just like oh uh, Jesse's missing or whatever. It's like no, no, ten percent of the code is missing for this scene. Man. Yeah, so it's a total fuck up. Uh, luckily, uh, Galen Sussman, who was the supervising technical director, she had been working from home. She wasn't currently working from home but she had been so she had a workstation at home that had a full version of the movie the issue was she didn't know if that version was updated to the incomplete version because periodically through like an isdn line pixar would send her updated files that would you know refresh the version on her computer oh but right luckily she had a two-week-old version on her computer that was then like trucked over to Richmond as fast as possible. Oh man. So if she had been more diligent in updating it, then hers would have been fucked up too. Yeah. She just left it at home and like in the meeting for this like code red, everything's fucked. She's like, Oh, wait a minute. I've got a workstation at my home. I just stopped working from home and I would, and I just might have the entire movie on it. So for like, about 45 minutes her volvo was worth 100 million dollars <laughs> like disney would uh, was like they they i hope she at least got like a bonus for that I, or something i really hope so so the backup looks uh, two weeks old like i said and they managed to verify uh, 70,000 out of 100,000 files that were what they needed but unfortunately 30,000 files needed to be checked by hand which led to insane crunch mode you needed like an insane amount of attention to detail to know if these files are correct and they needed 30,000 of them checked to continue oh. development of this movie. Oh, uh, and that is, I mean, the crunch, hearing about that crunch is already heartbreaking, but now that I know that it was meaningless anyway, yes. actually makes me feel 10 times worse. And this is the first of two horrific crunch stories we're going to hear about in this movie's development. Mm-hmm. So yes, this was an insane crunch mode. They really did bring Silicon Valley to Hollywood, <laughs> didn't they? They totally <laughs> did. And uh, again, it would all be thrown out, but yeah, they worked like day and night, uh, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, like at a certain point, like local restaurants restaurants were feeling bad for them and sending them food oh yes they were sleeping at the office all for a movie that was thrown out unbelievable look if, if the film wasn't working and you wanted to make a better film i get it but jesus christ Ugh. so in the end several thousand files were still missing but somehow everything worked and again this is not a fun fact when you realize <laughs> this story is just amounts to a lot of wasted time like it was probably for the best that the movie would have gotten deleted. It would have yeah. saved them some time hitting the delete key on yeah. that file. Then some, God damn it. That, oh, so, so I feel awful. They could have done literally anything else. They could have like built a car in that time or something or animated their own movie. Just make up of uh, yeah, Jesus Christ. And if you watch the Pixar story segment on the uh, Blu-ray, which is just like little fun flash cartoons that tell stories about, you know, life at Pixar and like events that happen. It's just like, Oh, we were making Toy Story 2 and we didn't like how it was going. And then this happened. So (laughs) they completely, they're so ambiguous about like this first version of the movie to the point where it's like lies by omission. It's just like this whole first thing didn't exist. So on that Pixar stories thing, they never say the thing that got almost deleted was the movie that we would never would have made. Man, I, well, I mean, in the propaganda that we we all bought into of just like, no, Pixar is just the great ideas factory and they're just into awesome storytelling, like the sacrifice that comes from wanting to tell a better story, that's not a fun story to tell. Like, that's actually depressing, and it makes you wonder like boy what sacrifices are made just to hopefully entertain me more than a worse film would have done and the sacrifices uh, don't end there in this story mm. so let's get on to uh, the controversy behind this movie so oh. that was the fun story of how they saved garbage 
here's a story of how this ended up being a theatrical movie. So how did this come to be? This direct-to-VHS movie wasn't being made quickly enough for Disney. The producer was replaced by his associate producers. And once A Bug's Life wrapped production, Lastner took over directing duties of this direct-to-VHS sequel and brought on uh, Lee Unkrich and Ash Brandon as co-directors mm-hmm. because Andrew Stanton and Pete Docter were away working on their own projects. Yeah, though, I mean, Lee Unkrich, like he's, you know, he would go on to be a real superstar of other Pixar stuff too, though. It sounds to me like once Laster got freed up from the crunch of his own movie, that's when he's like, oh, wait a minute. This, the, I want Toy Story to be this. He has some things in common with Miyazaki, uh, yeah. his hero. His but, beloved uh, Miyazaki. <laughs> and uh, Ash Brandon, I mentioned his name. He was a uh, animator on Toy Story 1 that they liked so much. He got promoted to like a lead story and creative role for oh, Toy nice. Story 2. Yeah. So this directed VHS thing was coming along. Uh, in November of 97, uh, Disney executives Roth and Pete Schneider viewed the final story reels and some finished animation. And they're like, hey, wait a minute. This could be a theatrical film. The issue for them was like, oh, we like this enough that it could just be in a movie theater. It's not just direct to DVD trash. Yes. But also it's just like, well, direct to video makes more sense when we're outsourcing this to Korea, not when we're paying union animators living in the Bay Area to make a product. That's a very important key difference. We're not going to recoup our losses or we're not going to recoup our development costs on this movie because it's not cheap outsourced labor. Yeah. With also replacing any famous voices they can as well. So on February 5th, 1998, the film was negotiated to follow the same model and profit splitting as what was established in Pixar's five film deal. But this would not count as one of the five films because Disney wanted five sets of original characters and settings, etc. for merchandising in parks. So, yes, this did not count. And they were already not happy with their contract. And this not counting as part of their contract really pissed them off. I mean, it's a shitty thing to do. Like already. uh, Well, clearly Disney was planning Pixar Pier, you know, 20 years ahead of time. But that five movie deal, it's like you get to take from them their like their probably their five best ideas for movies for a decade and you just fully own them and then you get to change the deal of like oh also this quickie direct video thing this actually is a theatrical film too and so it moves the timeline of when they'll be done with their fifth movie they owe disney like it wastes their time and what sucks about this even more is like this sound you're going to hear about the development of this movie it sounds like they've never worked harder on a movie than on toy story oh, 2 God. this would lead to pixar's growing resentment of disney this would all come to a head in 2004 when they had to renegotiate their contract. That's a fascinating story that I'm sure we'll get to with a future Pixar movie, but Michael Eisner was like the uh, the iron boot on their necks. <laughs> he did not want to uh, play ball with them. Thankfully, the glorious Bob Iger saved the day yes. in the end. So charismatic, that Bob Iger. All glory to Bob Iger. We need more powerful Bobs in this world. He's one of the, the last. <laughs> well, he was replaced by a, a worse Bob who oh, he has now right. re-replaced, the Bob Chapek. I forgot. <laughs> what, what are all these like uh, Goliath Bobs doing an executive uh heaven you were meant to be an executive bob that's That's true yeah (laughs) that's my true place in this world so uh development continued uh with this project at some point last year i had to step away to attend the european promotion of a bug's life which was happening uh around thanksgiving around like december of uh, 1998 i can't okay how long they worked on toy story i'm now thinking of how long they worked on toy story 2 that timeline is crazy oh it gets crazier so he comes back 
around like early December from this European uh, tour of The Bug's Life, The Bug's Life. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, let's see how this movie's coming along. And at that point, he was like, we have to restart this movie from scratch. This is not going to be a salvage direct-to-video project. We will not let this tarnish our brand. Oh. We are going to put everything on the line. We are not going to compromise. We are going to make an animated sequel in seven months. 